Hey, Alex. Yeah, Addison? Do you like podcasts? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I don't see how. Uh, okay, yes. Yes, I like podcasts. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. That's the right answer. I've got a new podcast to tell you about, and it is a new personal favorite of mine, as they are great friends of the show, and it is called Alexandria Archives. It is the South's answer to Miskatonic University. Surely you're not talking about the Alexandria Archives that can be found at WHAU Signal on Twitter? I am the very same. They can also be found at www.alexandriaarchives.com. That's Alexandria, spelled like Alex, like your name, followed by A-N-D-R-I-A, and then archives, A-R-C-H-I-V-E-S.com. It's a really cool show that has elements of, how did you describe it to me once, Alex? Night Vale meets Radio Free Roscoe? Yeah. I think that sounds like a pretty cool show. It's a campus radio station, basically set in an alternate dimension in the Southern American United States, so. And it's a pretty good time, and if you tune in, you might hear a couple of familiar voices as well. I mean, it's a possibility. It can be found, again, on iTunes, can be found on their website, alexandriaarchives.com, and on Twitter at WHAU Signal. And it is really worth your time. If you like shows like Welcome to Night Vale, or if you enjoy fiction with elements of out of this world kind of aspects while keeping the comedy, you'll really enjoy it. We recommend it. Yeah, yeah, Wendigos. Yeah, yeah, Wendigos. At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. For your own safety, we recommend listening to this episode with a scarf wrapped tightly around your neck. Just in case. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And with us today, we have a special guest, our good friend of the show, Lauren Malisi, writer and poet, Twitter presence, Instagram queen. She's multi-talented. Oh, oh thank you. Hi. I'm so happy <laughs> to be here. Social media mogul. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> Lauren is joining us on the show today to talk about um, the cryptid that Addison has picked out for us. Yes, uh, I'm here to talk about, and oh, woe unto my high sc- public high school Spanish pronunciation, but El Chupacabra. That was, was pretty spot on. Classic. Yeah, it's a good classic cryptid. Um, it's like in the top 10 starter kit of cryptids. Yeah, it like really when you get is. your cryptid keeper registration, they send you like a list and it's yeah. it's right up there. I personally uh, was was actually just telling Alex uh, before we started recording that this might be one of the very first cryptids I ever heard of and was aware of before I was even invested in cryptozoology at all because um, I heard about it on some like after hours animal planet show that was like about urban legend animals and they had a whole thing about the chupacabra and I was like I this is fascinating I'm 10 and that that was my introduction I think that and Nessie were my very first cryptids do you want to know where I heard about a chupacabra so when I was in elementary school probably like I don't know it was like second or third grade maybe a little bit later um, there was a website, and I don't remember what it was. It was, like, funschoolgames.com or something. It was, like, nerdy <laughs> games for elementary schoolers. There was a game that I loved called Word Womp. 
Oh my god, and yes, Wordwomp, yes. Did you play Wordwomp? Yes, yes, oh I did. Oh my god, you played Wordwomp. Thank I you. Did. I was like worried that I had made this game up. Yeah, it's But real. you like had a set of tiles and you would look at the tiles and like figure out how many words you could make from it, right? And this yes. was like the funnest thing that like small Alex could imagine. Oh, like was, was spinning words out of things. I loved word, I still love word games. Um, but the thing is that on Wordwomp, the character you played as was like various cryptids. You picked a cryptid yes. to play as. I always played as Nessie. What? Um, but you could play as Bigfoot or Chupacabra mm-hmm. or there were a couple others. Yeah, but I, I, so anyway, that's where I found out about it. Do you want to know I would tell you like, I little tidbits. Yeah. I'm sorry, let me cut you off. Oh, I was going to say, oh, no. Dexter's Lab had a Chupacabra episode. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, so when we go into like how the how uh, Chupacabra looks, like I'll, ask, I'll have you guys pull up how adorable Charlie the Chupacabra is. But that's, they did a whole episode and like the Chupacabra was like this outcast and he just wanted friends. Oh my gosh, that's the cutest thing. My heart. I love it. Chupacabra was pretty great in Word Womp too. But I like Word like... Womp is the best game ever invented. Fight me. I might have dreamed this, but I feel like the wild thornberries talked about the Chupacabra at some point. I feel like it came up on one of those shows. That is possible. So is that, yeah, Chupacabra is like a weirdly kid-friendly cryptid. <laughs> weirdly yes. for something that's name translates to goat sucker because it's, it's like sucker. a lot of goats it's like in the the like fisher price like my first cryptids book oh that's pretty great he's so, a starter he's training those cryptids so spin us a tale about yes. the chupacabra here addison oh i was i thought we were talking to lauren i was like ready to listen i was like yes yeah, spin me a tale um i'm happy to give a little bit of intro because i know uh i know our guest has lots to say about this particular special little guy um but i don't know why i call him that. Um, So I'll spin you a little bit of an intro here, um, which is, like I said, El Chupacabra's name translates to the goat sucker, basically because he sucks the blood out of goats and other livestock, depending on where he is living and what he can find. Uh, It eats chickens, goats, and all kinds of farm animals, pets. It's been reported all over uh, the continental United States and, like, Central and South America. So it's been reported largely in, um, Mexico and the surrounding states, but also in Puerto Rico and a bunch of other areas. You just can't get away from this thing. And there are supposedly two different types of it identified. There's a reptilian version of it identified and a canid, like, dog-like one identified. I did not know about the reptilian one. I only knew about the canine one because that's the image i think i was mostly exposed to because the weird animal planet after hours thing that i may or may not have dreamed as a 10 year old was covering animals that might look like this like it was talking about like the striped hyena and like um all these different kinds of canine type animals that might behave somewhat like this so here's a question i have a lot actually when we're researching um so i know like last week when we talked about snallygaster it's pretty much like one snallygaster. Yeah. But you're talking about these multiple varieties of chupacabra. Is it like two different species of chupacabra? Like there are many of them or like two chupacabra? From what I gather, it's less that they there's any decision made about whether or not there's two different ones or different species, more just that there are very differing accounts in different regions. Um, from right, what, but what I mean, like, are oh, we, do you, are we saying, do you think, or did you research oh, I think that, like, there's I, a bunch of them, and, like, they fall into these two camps, or, like, there are two of them? I think there's possibly, like, two different cryptid-type creatures that behave in similar ways, and that people just kind of, they eat livestock as many predators in but areas with farms. Yeah. Of them. 
I don't know if there's only one of each one of each of them. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I was not following your line here. No, I don't think there's necessarily only one of each of them just because I, I think that's a very inefficient way to keep a species going. And this guy's been around for quite so some time. So we are saying they're species. I think so. Okay. That's all I was I'm asking. I'm sorry. I got all worked up. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, for example, when we talk about like, Bigfoot, we say that we think there are many big feet, mm-hmm. and that, like, there's just various accounts of different big feet. Like, mm-hmm. Snallygaster, there's one Snallygaster. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, Bunyips, like, there's some debate there. Like, is it a whole bunch of Bunyip or, like, one Bunyip? Mm-hmm. So, what I'm asking you is, I'm asking you, do you think there are literally two, like, a Chupacabra A and Chupacabra B, or are you saying that there are, like, two different camps into which creatures classified under the umbrella term of Chupacabra can fall. I think that is more likely. I don't think there's very many of them, but there are, they're in enough, it's spotted in enough different regions that it would stand that there's not just this one animal traveling from, like, Texas to Puerto Rico. Yeah. I think this is a commuter. I mean, maybe. (laughs) Maybe he's taking a trip to get some food, but actually there's um, an excellent episode of the last podcast on the left that focuses... Yes, exclusively on the Puerto Rican chupacabra and how the sightings and experiences of that differ from the sightings of uh, El Chupacabra on uh, the in like the Mexico and like Texas, California, like that region uh, and how there's so much difference in that spread out thing that that would imply to me that there is definitely not just one. And maybe there's only two, but there's definitely not just one. Okay, the, cool. one in, the one in America is like more of like a ravenous dog. Um, and exactly, then the, that's the Canada one. Yeah, and then the Puerto Rican one is much more frightening looking with spikes and except, but it also depends on what conspiracy theory you believe because they all oh, look yeah. different. Very, yeah. Exactly. There's so much stuff there. And, um, there are all kinds of possible explanations for El Jupacabra. Like, I like to acknowledge the skeptic point of view, even though, of course, I'm here to, like, be a molder and say, like, it's all real. But, uh, they're uh, possible, like, some of the theories are obviously other types of carnivorous animals that would prey on livestock. Like, of course, you have, like, wild dogs, you have, like, foxes, you have just, like, any sort of um, animal that is carnivorous and starving. The draining of the blood is what makes it a little bit bizarre, and that's where one of the primary theories that comes in is people practicing uh, santeria or people draining the blood for, like, a person draining the blood of livestock for their own use, whether it be culinary or what have you, uh, or religious or any of those things. So possible explanations range from just, like, natural, it's a really hungry dog, to it's a person deliberately milking blood out of, not milking, I guess, bleeding <laughs> their neighbor's <laughs> livestock. Um, yeah, what's, what's up when you call, like, milking, but, like, with blood? Oh, that, that reminds me of, like, the murdery kind. The movie The Witch, the part where she's milking the goat and then the blood comes out of the udders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. gnarly. It's gnarly. I haven't seen it, but I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. Um, so, uh, before like I even like go to just in case there's stuff that you that uh, our lovely guest wants to talk about that I don't want to be redundant with in my notes here I would like to turn the floor over to Madam Lauren if you would like to be so kind yes of course um it's funny because so I'm Puerto Rican I'm half Puerto Rican and most of my chupacabra like knowledge comes from my grandmother who would just tell me weird stories when I was growing up because I remember I watched the Dexter's Lab episode I think I was with her watching it, and she, like, laughed because it's, she was like, it's not that cute in real life. It doesn't actually look that way. 
And I was like, whatever do you mean, Grandma? And, and, and so apparently the chupacabra just start, started being technically like cited in the 90s, but there were like all these weird experiments and things done in the 50s. And my grandmother actually believed that it was that like a, like there's a whole story of like a UFO landing and these like weird like dog, vicious dog looking like creatures like came out of the UFO on El Yunque Mountain. And my grandma believes that. Um, there's so many different theories. Um, but I I grew up just thinking that it was a big scary dog, and it still in my head looks like a big scary dog with spikes and stuff. Um, but oh. in Miami, we have a lot of people who it's where I am right now. Uh, have, we have a lot of people who practice Santeria, and sometimes goat heads just wash up on the beach like it's like yeah, no big deal. Um, so I definitely so if, we're, if we're, I'm going to be like a skeptic, I would totally say that it was that you know probably people there were sightings of like men and women wearing like cloaks that would be like leaving the area like after like farmers would hear like all their animals like screaming. Um, but if I if I want to be a molder about it, I, I want to go with aliens just because it just makes sense to me. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm losing my mind over <laughs> the idea of a UFO landing and like a whole bunch of dogs coming out. Like, yeah, I, that's your dream. It, it literally is. No, I know like there's so much more to what you just told us. And I know that like I am only grasping like the very surface level of it. And that's, I apologize, but that's literally because when you tell my brain that like there is a UFO, there's an alien colony that's composed entirely of dogs. <laughs> I, I lose you there. I cannot keep thinking about anything else beyond that. I, I always thought that was like, oh, like when I grew up, I was like, okay, that's kind of stupid. And then I listened to the last podcast in the last, and that's like the first, one of the first things, like Marcus Parks, like, yeah, 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 the UFO sighting. I was like, oh, that's a real thing. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, I, so you yeah. said that was from like the, there were experiments going on in like the 50s, right? And you said that this, this UFO sighting was? The experiments. Like where, so there are, there's an island um, called Monkey Island in Puerto Rico where they do, they did a bunch of like experiments on like rhesus monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like, but the UFO setting is supposedly like around like that time. So if they're related, mm-hmm. I don't know. But like, so those are actually two separate ideas. But I've always thought they were related for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know how, how, yeah. how they summoned the UFO somehow. But I might, my, my, I don't know. My, that's what happens when I've, your grandma tells you something. I've, I've got a theory. All right. And I want you guys to bear with me because this is going to get a little bit wild. But like, I'm, I'm thinking we've got like a Planet of the Apes type situation where we've made incredibly intelligent uh, monkeys on this island, right? The, through government experimentation, of course, and instead of having a violent uprising against the humans, perhaps uh, these apes decide to reach out to some sort of higher power in the sky, so they build some sort of satellite to send a signal out into space. Bear with me. Bear with me. It doesn't get less weird. Uh, They send a signal out into space, bring the spaceship down full of dogs, so perhaps El Chupacabra looks so strange not because it is just one animal, but perhaps it is a very strange, like, mutated rhesus monkey riding on the back of a big old alien dog. And they teamed up. Okay, but I like that theory a lot. Thank you. Yeah, that, that could, I want to watch the movie for that. Thank you. I think I do, too. <laughs> I think I've written yet another uh, Cryptid Keeper film studio classic uh, because I want it. That's so very much. My original question, actually, in going down mm. the line of questioning, was not about debating the validity of like the monkey island experiments like i'm on board with that i literally was just going to say that for some reason i thought the chupacabra had been around a lot longer than that 
like, and that's just totally me being wrong, but I don't know for some reason, like, when I was hearing this, this story for the first time or just knowing about it, I never actually researched Chupacabra, but, like, I for some reason assumed it was a much older tradition than that. According to the book, um, Chupacabra Road Trip, it was 1995 was the first. Yeah, band name calling it. Also, yeah, that's what my source says as well, is that the first sightings of the Puerto Rican Chupacabra were in 1995, literally the year I was born. So the Chupacabra and I have been around the same amount of time. I, okay, yeah, but I'm just going to reiterate, Chupacabra Road Trip is my new band name. I know, you can have it, it's yours. <laughs> I'm not going to take it from you. Good. It's okay. How many so, bands is that? Have, it's so many. Um, so that's how long the Puerto Rican Chupacabra has been around. Asin, do you have the Texas one date? I, yeah, let me pull up my, uh... Did they appear at the same time, roughly? Did they, did they have different origin stories? Let me go to that one. Sorry, you guys talk to yourselves while I sort through my stuff. I will say I that the, the, the Texas Chupacabra looks like a giant dog. Like a, well, I'm actually not even giant. Like, a, like, a, like a, like if, like if a rodent and a dog were, like, bred together, it's like a weird, like, small wolf thing. Like... So I don't know if it has if it has a different origin story or like some guy in Texas was like here's this mutated wolverine I found. If what I'm finding is to be believed, yeah, here we go. Um, the chupacabra, um, not in Puerto Rico, um, in other areas like around the Texas region, is uh, first began appearing in the 1960s. Okay. So that was when that guy decided to surface and that's the one that's described different descriptions of it one of my favorite descriptions that i found is not dog like at all we are going far away from dog description and we are going to a big foot with teeth like big sharp teeth yeah it's got big long fangs for you know so i'm a little confused this is just like 50 percent day quill i'm sure Uh but (laughs) we were talking about the origin story for the puerto rican chupacabra and then the Texas chupacabra is the one that looks like a dog, right? Mm-hmm. But the Puerto Rican one looks like a reptile with, like, spikes. But yeah. that origin story is, like, the monkeys and the dog spaceship. Oh, don't worry. It gets more complicated. <laughs> there's, and there's don't the, worry. There's it gets the more dog, There's the dog soldiers, like, theory, too. That the government was trying Excuse to make me. dogs. That the government was trying to make dog soldiers, but it didn't work. I so mean, they same, left them into but... the wild. Yeah. No, basically, uh, I was going to say... Um, both, like, apparently in both regions, it has actually been described as either dog-like or as having a reptilian body, oval head, bulging red eyes, fanged teeth, and long, darting tongue. Oh, I thought it was, like, a geographic difference. I thought it was, like, the one looks like this and the other one That's looks like this. That's what I thought as well, until, like, you start to pick into the descriptions and, like, the overlap. It seems to just be that the more prevailing recounting of sightings is just, is what's regionally separated, not the actual descriptions themselves. Like, it's what people associate with the region not necessarily maybe it's what's like, actually been there maybe it's like a town mouse country mouse situation where you just have two different chupacabra that live in two different places and they visit each other all the time oh wait i really like this quote i'm sorry i just need to read this quote from um uh lauren coleman who's an american uh cryptozoologist who she's the author of cryptozoology uh or yeah the author of cryptozoology a to z and um this is i love this quote what's unique about the chupacabra is it's crossing languages which i think shows how small our world is getting says coleman it's sort of like jennifer lopez kind of cross-cultural okay <laughs> you know like jennifer lopez I, yeah you know I, my totally. favorite pop star actress who bites goats and drinks their blood i mean if that was like her like her, her like her what she was doing like on the side i would i'd believe it 
I would actually believe it's her beauty it. Maybe. Secret. It would make more makes more sense than Madonna's beauty secret. She gets in like a chamber with like like this like weird like plastic like jacket thing that has all these different kinds of like like moisturizers for like lack of a better word and she like sleeps in this like encased like and mummified in this like thing to preserve her skin oh i hate that yeah madonna sleeps in one of the horrible martian cocoons from the first animated justice league movie (laughs) yes yes that's very bad i don't like it also i hate it it's bad at all so i hate it so I have to ask, um, deviating a little bit from us trying to parse the very confusing origin story of El Chupacabra, um, you say your your grandmother was talking about it and like in a very like in very certain terms. Do you have any like family anecdotes or family sightings uh, like that have been passed down or talked about at all? So I I don't I have to think it's it's funny because my my grandma was also I don't know if 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 Santeria was what she practiced but she was like a village witch um, before she like got to the states um, and so and so she was the person kind of like in the town that you'd go to to get like blessed and stuff um, so mm-hmm. that's why she has like the the lowdown on everything um, but I don't can't remember if she actually said that she like saw it but. But I just, all I remember is aliens and being like five and my grandmother telling me that it's because Puerto Rico's just, like UFOs just love landing in Puerto Rico. They love landing at the top of like El Yunque Mountain. And I'm just like, why, why grandma? But, but why, why? She's, she's like, because like that, that's the hub for like all the, like the UFO stuff. And I'm like, but, but why? And till this day, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. So I, yeah, I don't know, but that one, that one sighting actually last podcast and lab mentioned the lady was picking, she was picking something like flowers or something on the, on like the bottom of the mountain. And then the UFO, like the thing opened, it cast her in like a beam of pink light. And then all the dogs started floating down. Um, so I don't know. literally my dream. I was going to, uh, share some specific, uh, attacks throughout, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, in the mid to late nineties that were uh, noted in this. And this is, by the way, all of what I'm reading off of right now is not just from some random, like we get from a lot of strangely titled websites. This one is from animalplanet.com. So this is like a for real website I've heard of before today. <laughs> so uh, some of the uh, some of the sightings and, inter- and interactions with uh, El Chupacabra in Puerto Rico, which is regarded, by the way, as the center of modern Chupacabra activity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which implies to me that they're saying somehow that maybe... Now, here's a, th- here's a thought. The uh, Texas-Mexico region Chupacabra, like, moved down to Puerto Rico and perhaps started a new life there and maybe a family. Um, which is... Unbelievable. Okay, so in, oh my gosh, the pronunciation is going to be so rough and I'm so sorry. Um, in Orocovis, uh, farmers found eight of their sheep completely drained of blood. No meat was missing and all of them bore puncture wounds. It's all very vampiric. This is a very vampiric creature and it's very strange. Uh, in Guanica, 44-year-old Osvaldo Claudio Rosado claimed to have been grabbed from behind by a gorilla. Puerto Rico has no gorillas. After fighting off the creature, he said he needed treatment for his scratches and cuts around his torso, and then chickens and cows on his land died nearby soon after uh, of a single wound to the neck, the blood simply gone. Just So here's a question mm-hmm. on semantics. If you kill a creature by draining all of its blood and do that for sustenance, but don't actually eat any of the meat, are you a carnivore? 
He's on a liquid diet. Yeah, but you're not actually, like, eating the animal. Oh, you know, that's a really good... I mean, I wouldn't call it an herbivore. No. So I think I'd still call it an omnivore. Is it an omnivore, though? Oh, God, I don't know. Do vegans Plasmavore? drink blood? Plasmavore? Yeah, vegans do know. not drink blood, but they don't do any animal it's like products. A, it's like a hemivore. It's a hemivore. I like that. I don't know if that's a term now, but... Um, oh, in um, Canavanas, livestock deaths reached into the hundreds. This was in the winter of 1995. Mayor Jose Soto raised a posse of volunteers and personally hunted every week for the creature for nearly a year, armed with rifles and a caged goat to use as bait. <laughs> he failed to catch it. He was, however, re-elected. <laughs> you know, no politicians really deliver on their campaign promises. Come on, guys. That's an incredible platform, and I really want more people to follow up on it. It's really good. Um, and then uh, there was another woman. Oh, no. This does not sound like the work of the Chupacabra. Um, in Tortilla Baja, a woman found her chicken dead of perforations in the neck. Yep. A, a cat dead with its genitals gone. And her guinea pigs uh, with uh, wounds to their throats. I feel like those are not all related. No. I feel like a couple different forces all converged on the farm that night. There was, like, this awkward thing where there was, like, some weird, like, chicken predator. And then there was also, like, Chupacabra was there. And then there was one just, like, large cat. And they were all just kind of like, ugh, Mm -hmm. this is weird. Can we all just do our thing and go our separate ways? And then... After that, in the winter of 1995, when all of these pretty much happened at once, in 1996, in Mexico, either this same guy moved back up to his homeland or the original Mexican chupacabra or one of its descendants had a flare-up because then attacks started up in Mexico again. Hmm. So... It's so, it's so bananas. Also, if people want additional resources, there is a website called the Chupacabra homepage, which is run by Princeton University students with extra time on their hands. Self-described. I did not say that. WVU needs a, needs a Mothman society. I don't know how there isn't I'm one I'm actually yet. shocked there isn't one. I know for a fact I've seen, note for our listeners, uh, Lauren is getting her MFA at WVU in the same town where I spent the first like 19 years of my life um so i know for a fact i've seen mothman exhibits at wu before like in the mountain lair at one time there was like an exhibit that was set up there and i know morgantown's not really like the central hub for mothman activity that's further south it's in point pleasant but there is like a lot of mothman interest there and i actually have a friend um james who's getting his anthropology degree at wu right now and has like worked extensively on some of like the um the archival folklore material like from the mothman archives like, there's a lot of information there. I'm, I'm surprised that there's not more, like, student engagement in Mothman. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to start a club. I'm ready to start it. Yeah, do it. I'm, I love uh, cryptids that kind of have created a media empire for themselves and are just so sensationalized that they have all this spinoff stuff. Like, obvi- like we will come back to the Dexter's Laboratory thing because that's bananas. But um, there's, there's also a Wild Thornberry's episode. You were, you were right. I googled <gasps> I it. I was right! Mm-hmm. I think that might have actually been my first exposure to the Chupacabra. Now, did the same voice actor do the Chupacabra on both shows? Like, is there somebody whose job it is to voice act the Chupacabra? That is a good question. Um, Thank you for looking that up because I was so convinced, but I also thought maybe I dreamed it (laughs) because it sounds like something my subconscious would create. But uh, this was a little a little anecdotal thing that I found that made me very happy. I mean, it's terrible, like, but you'll see. Um, In uh, the 
the information, the story of the chupacabra and like ideas that it had been attacking livestock spread to uh, Chile in about 2000, in April of 2000, actually, there were a lot of, there was a huge increase of attacks on wild, on livestock and it was not really uh, able to be linked to what they were used to attacking livestock, which was pumas and other similar predators in the area. But so what happened was they became a media sensation, the idea that the chupacabra had made its way to Chile. And so um, in May, a Santiago citizen uh, rented a gorilla suit and an alligator mask, hung a sign Excuse around me? His, there's more, hung a sign around his neck that said chupacabra and spent a few afternoons lurking on a popular downtown paseo, leaping and biting at passing commuters' necks. You know what bothers me about that? What? <laughs> I mean, like, there are a few obvious things, but the thing that bothers me most about that, like, more than even attacking random passerby, is the idea that the chupacabra would wear a sign that says chupacabra. It's like when you go and get, like, Halloween costumes, and it's, like, a Batman Halloween costume. It has a picture of Batman on the chest. I'm like, why would you do that? That's not what Batman wears. Like, that's a bad costume. That's a bad chupacabra costume. It's sort of like when I uh, wanted to dress as Holly Black from the Artemis Fowl books, but I knew no one would know who I was, so I just wore a name tag. That's... No, that's different, okay. because she would conceivably wear a name tag. Okay. I'm talking about, like, when you have a Superman costume, and, like, in the middle of the Superman logo is, like, a small portrait of Superman. Like, you've seen those <laughs> Halloween costumes, right? Or, like, yeah. yes. it, oh like my a God, girl yes. with, like, an Ariel princess dress, and, like, there's a medallion on, like, the bow, and it's a picture of Ariel, and I'm like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is some information that I am obsessed with as well. We're going to come back. We're coming back to uh, Lauren's alien thing. Uh, oh, yeah. We're down in Chile for this. I'm we're sorry. coming down. We're down in Chile for this. In June of 2000, Chilean newspapers printed accusations from Chilean ufologists that claimed that Chilean military officials had found three chupacabra eggs and caught the animal itself, which they all turned over to NASA. However... Radio programs in uh, Chile have also accused the American Space Agency of creating the chupacabra in a lab in the first place while conducting genetic tests in the Chilean desert on mandrels, which is an animal very similar to a baboon. Hey, 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 monkey experiments. Yet again, obviously, uh, NASA denies the charge. Well, here's what's wild about that is if those two stories are supposed to line up and the um, chupacabra is from mammalian experiments and then they're saying they found chupacabra eggs... That's, like, very wild to me. So this is saying that we are talking probably about the mammalian chupacabra, but also that it hatches from eggs. We've got, like, a platypus situation. Yeah, uh, it's both. That might be the thing. Maybe the reason the sightings, maybe neither of the sightings is entirely true, and it's that thing where you have to meet somewhere in the middle, and what it looks like is kind of a reptilian dog. Huh. So it's, like, an oviparous mammal. That's wild. Yeah, maybe. I'm just thinking, like, it makes sense to me. I don't know. Does it's, it though? No, I mean I don't. I don't know. But the here's another fun little thing. Here's another fun little piece of uh, information because the chupacabra might be older than we think. The official sightings are obviously in the '60s, mm-hmm. but there's a mythological background as there often is. So it's uh, it something very similar appears in Mayan mythology. Uh, it is uh, a it is called a kamasats, which was known as the death bat or vampire bat, but not vampire bats as we know them really today. It was a creature with a bat or lizard-like face, two arms, and the ability to turn itself into a statue during the day. And its uh, creature's sharp snout was used to suck blood from the victims. And it was based, and this is possibly regarded as an ancient 
concept of the chupacabra because it was not oh. described as being like bat size. This is like a bigger creature with working arms and a lizard-like face that flies and sucks blood. And you said that's a Mayan? Yes. This um, um, has appeared in Mayan literature as early as 1400 BC. Well, that doesn't discount any of the theories we've heard so far because a lot of theorists have put forth just like a billion different concepts of alien interaction with Maya culture, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's not anything new. So it's Absolutely. highly possible that what we're seeing is if the Chupacabra is alien in origin, then the Chupacabra of ancient Maya um, sort of conceit is an alien that visited them or that they saw or interacted with that returned many years later, as you would have to do with space travel, um, and then populated the area. Dang, I like that. I like it. I'm in. Yeah. I'm, see, I'm too on board with all of these theories, but I'm just like, that one, that one. I like that one. So, like, the first one from, like, ancient culture was, like, one, and it was just, like, a chupacabra alien realtor who was, like, checking out the area, <laughs> and then went back and sold a bunch of um, Chilean timeshares to, to, to alien dogs on planet chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> on planet, you, I like that that's it. Their planet is goat sucker. I like it a yeah. lot. The planet goat sucker. I like them. I I mean, honestly, the great thing about uh, talking about El Chupacabra is that we tend to talk about survival tips on this show. And for the most part, it seems like if you're not like a cow or a pig or a goat or a sheep, you're probably going to be fine. So what are yeah. some tips to keep your livestock safe? I mean, I would say like... I don't know a lot of, there's not really a lot to be said about how to keep them away from them. So I would say like maybe put them in your guest house or like maybe default to some old vampire lore, like hang some garlic around. Hide your chickens, hide your goats. Did you have any, uh, I was going to say, is there any, was there any, uh, uh, did did, did your grandma perhaps suggest how to keep the chupacabra away? I mean, not, I'm I'm trying to think, not really. I mean, she did tell me that. Like the livestock, they're like if it's kind of like I think of the movie Chicken Run for some reason, and how like there was really no like protection on the chicken coop. It was just kind of like you have like this little mesh wire fence. Like anyone could like bust into that. So I would say invest in like I don't know, like a metal door or something, like something that yeah. can't be easily broken down or like ripped through. Um, it's a dog, it can't open doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Although I have seen suggestions that they have opposable thumbs. That I have also seen, which is frightening. That is so frightening. Yeah, I do not like the idea of them having opposable thumbs. Yeah, and standing up on their hind legs. Yeah. Well, maybe the Chupacabra came down years ago, saw that we loved dogs so much, and decided, you know what? We can we can help them out with that. We can give them we can give them a new kind of dogs. Oh man, I found the picture. And then they sent us dogs with opposable thumbs. Oh boy, I found the gift. I found the chupacabra from Dexter's laboratory. That's really freaking cute. He's real cute. He's actually Dexter's like experiment, and like he like gets out and like 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 goes. Are you implying that Dexter created El Chupacabra? In the show, apparently, yes. Actually. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, so that tells me that the people who wrote that episode probably are. Uh, yeah. on board with the theory that it was some kind of experimentation. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just saw some really fun fan art of El Chupacabra that looks kind of like somebody was drawing, like, Ratata, but as a goat sucker a little bit. Okay. It's I good. Behind it's it. like, it's like, uh, it's like that. Oh, it's like a baby. It's cute. It's kind of cute, right? I like him. I mean, he's got kind of spooky dead eyes, but, like, I like him. He's good. Um, <laughs> I, I know, I'm just like... I, I feel kind of bad because if it's if El Chupacabra was really just like hurting livestock, I think it's more just in that situation. I'm kind of like, well, 
seems like it's kind of an apex predator and uh, it's got to eat. Um, yeah. I respect it. Like, I respect the natural order. It's it's, it's just that, here's my question. If El Chupacabra is from some sort of alien species, oh, it's okay. What's up? Oh, I opened the Wikipedia for the wild thornberries. So, no, it takes, so their Chupacabra takes place in Mexico. Um, yeah. And Weird Al is the eccentric, sorry, eccentric banjo-playing bard who tells the legend of the Chupacabra. Weird <gasps> Al tells them. That's, oh my god, I need this! That's phenomenal, and I love it very much. And oh, the guy I have a good question. Of, oh no, please. Oh, so the guy who does the voice of Darkwing Duck is the voice of the Chupacabra. Thank god. Also good. Very good. I was All I was going to say was just that I, I have to wonder, the environmentalist in me has to wonder, uh, if it's an alien creature of some kind, is the Chupacabra an invasive species? Because, like, oh, I don't want it to, like, mess with the delicate ecosystem. It's, yeah, I mean, is it is it really helping the ecosystem? No. But on the yeah. other hand, survival of the fittest, and if the livestock can't outrun it, like... Yeah, but it's not like the chupacabra is like a natural part of the ecosystem. <laughs> I know, you're right. It's not something that the livestock <laughs> like, should well, be... Like, pre- well, survival of the fittest, you should have evolved to defend yourself against alien dogmen. Like, I'm sorry, buddy, like, you gotta have some sort of protection against reptilian, like, horror creatures. Like, I don't think that's a fair justification this is very fair this is very fair so um in lieu of a a rating exactly i think i would like to kind of more so spin a scenario and just kind of get your get your opinions get your feels on it um so you're on a lovely vacation in one of the above mentioned places so maybe you're in brazil maybe you're in puerto rico maybe you're in chile maybe you're in texas um you know, for vacation. And you're staying in a hotel that's for some reason near some farmland. I don't know why. It's it's happening. And late at night, you hear some commotion from coming coming from over the farmland. Against all odds, now just bear with me. You get up and you and you, you you put your shawl around your shoulders and you wander on out to see what's making all that ruckus. And you see some kind of funky, hunched, uh, ridge-backed looking dog tile, dog reptile critter. And uh, as you start to walk back to your hotel room, it begins to approach you. What is your plan of action? Um, well, uh, here's the thing. Yeah. If I'm going to go out, it's absolutely going to be petting a weird dog I shouldn't have petted. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've seen that, that tweet or that Tumblr post or whatever. It's like, do not apologize for your dog coming up to me. This is exactly what I wanted. Like, if I go down, like, I'm fine with it. Like, that's... Yeah, I'm sorry. If you think that, like, any dog-like creature, no matter how terrifying, like, approaching me is going to cause me to do anything except stop and wait, you're wrong. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I guess I'll miss you, Alex. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Bye. (laughs) How about you, Lauren? Okay, so I'm not... Okay, and I hate admitting this to, like, people, but I'm not really a dog person. Like, your dog has to have a really individual, like, personality for me to really be like, yes, puppy, I like you. Um, so if a dog came up to me, or, like, a scary-looking dog came up to me, I don't know what I would do, because when you start running, they start running. So I feel like I would try yeah. to engage in, like, some kind of staring contest and, like, try <laughs> to intimidate it, even though it's probably bigger than me. Um, but I would try to stare it down. And if that didn't work, then I'd probably break into a run and then do one of the whole, like, run, trip, like, spray my ankle, limp run keep running, and then hopefully make it back to my hotel. 
Oh, yeah, you'd hopefully uh, be the girl who survives the horror movie, not the final girl. Yeah, the final girl, not the one who's just running and she dies in, like, the first ten minutes. Yes. That's, like, your brand anyway, right? Yeah, you're, like, final girl. I can't believe that was totally accidental, but, like, that meant, but that's where my mind immediately went. Like, I'm, but I don't, I I was chased by a very large dog when I was a child, and I had to hop the fence to get away from it, so that's just what, that's the first thing that came to my head. So you've been training. So you're ready. I am ready. I would feel, I would, my first, prepared you for this moment. I like have bear maze and stuff, thanks to the revenant. But like, I wouldn't, I'd probably think like, aw, big evil dog. I don't want to mace you. So I would just run. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Show it some compassion. God knows no one else does. Um, I think it's got a hard, lonely life. So what's your plan of action? My plan of action I wouldn't have gone to any of those places in the first place because you know that because my number one yeah you know that yeah, my number fair. one plan of action in preventing any and all cryptid attacks is don't go anywhere. All right, well I'm sorry when I die a horrible alien dog death in Brazil. Like <laughs> at least I will know I lived a full life and petted every dog I could. <laughs> you will leave behind a grieving podcast widow. Yeah, um, it's okay. I understand. Uh, I think that, like, is bringing us to, like, wrap-up zone. Yeah, it seems like... So, uh, really quick before we uh, do that wrap-up thing, uh, Lauren, would you like to plug your online presence? Like, where can people find you? Where can they find your work? Ooh, okay. Uh, um, I am at Motel Siren on pretty much everything. Um, and then my website is Um And that's, that's pretty much where you can find me. You have to hit the read tab and, like, all of my, like, sad poetry is, is there, so. She runs a fire Instagram, so, mm-hmm. like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's so that. good. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's so lit. Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Are you kidding? Uh, it was, it's been a pleasure to have you on here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, thanks so much for thank joining you. us. Oh, thank you. I hope, I hope I was, uh, uh, not, I'm very interrupty when I get really excited. So. Oh, that's all we do. I mean, here. Have you listened to this podcast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's eighty five percent of everything. That's kind of what we do. Um, do we have any quick uh, announcements before uh, we wrap up? I think just same business as usual. So our Patreon is still going on. Um, at this point, took some quick mental calculations. Uh, people who pledge throughout the rest of May, which two weeks from now will still be yes, yeah, that'll be like the twenty. 20- Hey, 28th. Yes. Yes, it'll be the 28th. Um, so you'll be getting in for our June rewards tiers. Um, so we'll have some new stuff out for you guys. Um, we will have stickers coming out soon to people who pledged for the May Patreon. We are still running our iTunes reviews raffle, so get in on that. Um, as always, just stay posted on the Crypto Keeper Facebook page, the Facebook group, which is the Crypto Keeper Appreciation Group on Facebook. Always a fun time. Follow our Twitter. Um, we run a pretty active social media presence, so that's the best way to get information from us. Exactly. Um, also, really quickly, just so you know, like, um, if you became a donor for the month of May and you remain a donor in June, you're still obviously going to have access to all the stuff for your tier, right. all of the rewards that will be on there. We got some more, like, bonus episodes, stickers, all that stuff coming out. I, somebody... <laughs> Somebody is now a, has upped their donor level, and so that means I now have to write a song. Oh, sweet! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's fun. But it's a thank you for that. Thank you for your generosity. You know who you are. I will. Uh, I will be in touch regarding the content of your song. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, and I think that does it for us. I think that should be everything. So yeah. as always, we hope we can uh, keep you around and stay safe out there.